Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Go Lang into Overdrive, first stage malware loader spotted in active campaigns. Next up, the devil is in the DDoS. And finally, our game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 53, recorded on June 29th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, island in the pun, LaBelle, with me co-host Chad, Shaw2HashPipeAnderson, and last, but certainly not least, Tarek, making a mountain out of a malware cellar. <sighs> That's cheering. It's live. This is live in front of a live wow. audience. A live my, studio audience. Yeah, of my dog. Um, my dog, Peanut. Our peanut gallery. <laughs> and you um, didn't give a, uh, a nice Weezer song-themed introduction to Peanut today, which is what Island in the Pun and Shatu Hashpipe I actually, that's how I warmed up for the podcast, is I sang to my dog for like 45 straight minutes. So I'm sorry if my voice is a little hoarse. Like, what's with these homies dissing my dog? Uh, <laughs> How'd you know that's what I sang to her? <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, I have some good news and I have some bad news for our audience today. The good news is, but of course, we'll be going through our typical two wonderful articles and then be playing Two Truths and a Lie. The bad news is, well, maybe it's good news to you. Hopefully not. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're a fan. But we're going to be taking a brief summer break. So you won't hear from us here for a few weeks. I don't want you to worry. We'll be back. Yes, that is a threat and a promise. And we'll be back on Wednesday, the 29th of July. So I just want everybody to have a chance to emotionally prepare for that reality. Um, but with that, we want to go out with a bang and have some fun before our summer break. Don't we, Tarek and Chad? Or Charik, if you will. That's true. That's true. We just have so much to do this summer, you know, so many travels and mm-hmm, gotta mm-hmm, get out and mm-hmm. really just explore the world. Um, yeah. Definitely not going to be sitting at home. <laughs> <laughs> is it sad that my mind is, my mindset is like, I don't even want to travel somewhere. All I want to do is give someone I love a hug that oh, doesn't yeah. live with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's all I've wanted. Um, <sighs> hugs. So on that really positive <laughs> note, <laughs> let's start our first article, which is Go Laying into Overdrive, a new version of a known malware campaign aimed at installing crypto miners has changed up its tactics. So it's adding attacks on Windows servers and a new pool of exploits to its bag of tricks. So it's also swiftly evolving to position itself as a backdoor for downloading future, more damaging malware according to researchers. So Chad, when was this malware first discovered and what did we know about it prior to this particular campaign? Yes, it was first discovered by some uh, researchers from F5 in June 2019. Um, it was going against uh, ThinkPHP and Drupal, which are like um, their big frameworks. Um, they were some of the vulnerabilities that it was targeting um, involved those as well as like uh, some SSH um 
like lateral movement. But uh, they, with Drupal and whatnot, they were targeting Drupal Get 2, which is a massive Drupal vulnerability. It was being leveraged for things like attacking voting machines and whatnot uh, a year ago. So it got a lot of notoriety um, or rather voting centers, not machines. But um, further. You mean, Chad, votoriety? Yeah, voter- <laughs> yeah, it got a lot of notoriety. <laughs> Solid. Um, but, uh, so further research, um, so showed samples from as early as January, 2019. And, um, and then I believe the earliest malware that was seen written in Golang, like it was, you know, seriously in the wild and not just someone uh, messing around was 2018 or so. Um, so Go is about 10 years old as a language and it's gaining a lot of steam, um, people like it because it's got the uh, speed of a statically typed language like C and compiled language, you know, but it's as easy to learn as Python um, syntactically. So um, we'll probably be seeing more of this. I would like you to make an ironic foil to go called stop. Can mm. you do this for us, Chad? This is what I expecting when we're on our summer vacation from the podcast. I would like you to write a new language called stop. Yeah, you know, um, things that I've never wanted to do is uh, is contribute to the uh, language space. So I'm going to get right on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to it's basically going to be like Go, um, except the syntax is going to be more Ruby like and be just an I. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair play. I will let you off the hook for that and to enjoy your warm Seattle summer. All right, so what else do we know then, or what do we know so far, I should say, about this new variant of Golang malware, and what is its goal, primarily? So it is a crypto miner, um, so it's aimed at like mining cryptocurrencies and whatnot. Um, however, there's a lot of new bits in place for pulling down updates and uh, doing some more maliciousness later. So it looks like they're laying the groundwork um, for some more, uh, more action. Cue the evil man from Austin Powers. You mean Dr. Evil? <laughs> I mean, you should Sorry, recognize his education. Sorry, I took away education. his credentials. <laughs> I just like demoted him. I'm like the evil one. So, yes. Doctor Evil. You went through. You got a PhD. You deserve to be treated as such. Yeah, I feel like this really brings out the Doctor Evil in this situation. Um, yeah. Good. <laughs> so good. yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Uh, so, what operating systems does this new variant target then? So this new one uh, drops payloads on both Windows and Linux. The old one was just Linux um, and, you know, mostly targeted uh, just servers. This one also, it has some uh, mentioning that it like it's a disabled exploit, but it it looks like it could target IoT devices. Um, So it may be some like embedded operating systems there, too. But uh, for the most part, it's just Linux and Windows. So how then is the malware itself spread? It sounds like there's a lot of again, like you've mentioned, future nefarious potential here. But what happens once this malware infects a machine? Yeah, so the infection is from, you know, it's looking for, it's got Elasticsearch vulnerabilities, um, you know, much older ones from like 2014, 2015. But uh uh, there's Oracle vulnerabilities, the ThinkPHP and Drupal ones from before. There's Hadoop vulnerabilities. Redis is from before. Um, now they have MS SQL. Um, just kind of looking at it, it can exploit a lot of things, you know. And then on top of that, it does uh, a lot of SSH credential enumeration. Um, so, you know, all, all kinds of um, things are baked into it. But then after the attackers have a foothold, um, they pull some code from Pastebin. Um, in the case of the 
Linux variant. It's a bash script in the case of uh, the Windows one is some PowerShell. Um, and they kind of do the exact same thing. They pull the main malware down. It sets itself up for persistence in like the equivalent of a NIT on either um, you know Linux or uh, startup on Windows. Um, on Linux, it disables SE Linux, um, which is like a security framework. Um, then it goes around and looks for any competing crypto miners, disables those. Um, and then after that, it tries to, uh, on the Linux variant anyways, infect other hosts by looking at the SSH known host file, which is uh, it's kind of like a list of hosts that you've connected to before um, from that machine. Um, so uh, there's just really a lot of moving parts and ways for it to spread. And it's uh, pretty dynamic in that way. I really want you to write a script for what appears to be a zombie movie, but it's actually about malware infections. And it's like, and now we've infected the host, but it's really all just like cyber stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I read a uh, great tweet the other day that said, um, we know that all zombie movies are crap now um, because what would have been happening is all the healthy people would have been running at the zombies claiming that it was a hoax. Um, and that's, <sighs> uh, yeah. <laughs> This is a zombie movie. Talk to you. <laughs> so is there anything you found particularly interesting about this malware? So I haven't looked at any uh, Go malware before. Um, maybe Tarek probably has some more insight in this, but I had no clue that most AV uh, antivirus just ignores Go binaries. Um, this thing goes completely unnoticed and undetected by most antivirus. Uh, so I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised that there aren't more malware authors hopping on the Golang train, especially considering it makes such a portable binary, you know, it's so easy to ship around. Um, yeah, that that was probably the most interesting thing for me. I would have assumed uh, I would have assumed otherwise. So then, how exactly can organizations protect themselves from this type of attack? Yeah, there's two essential things here. You know, for um, if you're running some framework like ThinkPHP or Drupal um, that are known to not be particularly secure um, and have had big problems in the past. Uh, you you know you want to have a WAF. I mean you want to have a you know WAF anyways um, web application firewall. But uh, it, outside of that, you know obviously it's patch. Um, the vulnerabilities that they're exploiting in, in all of these exploits are old enough. Uh, some go back to you know 2014 that they should be patched by now. Um, but admins, uh, you know, on some sites, particularly like Drupal or some of these PHP sites, are not always known for their security mindedness. I just I feel like a new AIM acronym is born here. So it's like, if a threat actor is trying to use this malware to infect you and you stop them because you have a WAF, then you could just say, <laughs> WAFing out loud. Oh yeah, I think that's that's, that's good. Yeah, you should hook your WAF up to your Slack channel every time um, that <laughs> it blocks something, you know, it should, it should, you know, WAF out loud into the channel. <laughs> Um, that's that's uh, chat ops right there. Chat the sec ops. Chat ops. <laughs> yeah. Chat sec ops. I love it. Well, I'd love to to ask Tarek what he thinks here in terms of a hoodie rating after everything he's heard here from you, Chad. Yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to Go based, uh, Golang based malware, that's always a really fun language to uh, see malware kind of crop up in. I think one of the first, my first experience with like Golang based. Uh, um, ransomware um, was this variant uh, called Snake. Uh, with, did a little bit of ICS stuff and a little bit of ransomware stuff. And so it's always pretty fascinating. Um, the other thing too is that Chad's right. A lot of traditional antivirus products uh, don't really do 
um, signatures for, it's not really common to see signatures for uh, Go-based malware. Uh, that being said, any decent behavioral-based uh, malware or AV out there would pick it up. Um, you know, uh, there's some really good ones out there. Defender's getting a lot better too for this. Um, but Go is still kind of a hot language to uh, write some more malware. And Go and uh, C Sharp are the two big ones right now. So that being said, I'd give this one solid, uh, probably like a good solid six out of 10. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, that, I knew that uh, I'd seen C Sharp cropping up a lot more just from, um, you know, seeing conference talks and whatnot that things people were pulling apart. But um, yeah, I hadn't seen as much go. So uh, thanks for um yeah more data there but uh yeah i'd agree with Tarek. you know six out of ten um i i have to lean on him as the uh the malware master so you know <laughs> oh can i put that on my resume yeah i think that you should replace your introduction actually like malware master yeah malware master. i'm gonna i'm gonna M &M. talk to sean our boss, our director about a title change. Yeah. You sit actually atop the mountain with malware and there's like a temple up there and people come to study underneath you. Uh, oh, dude, you would be a phenomenal dungeon master, by the way. I love the <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I am in my basement right now and this is my domain, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, too good. Well, Chad, thank you so much for going into all that depth there. And now we're going to put Tarek in the hot seat for our next article, which is the devil is in the DDoS. So a new botnet identified in the wild leverages close to a dozen exploits for high and critical severity vulnerabilities against Windows systems to turn them into crypto mining clients and sources for distributed denial of service or DDoS attacks so um crypto mining is the word of the day i never thought i'd say that on our podcast but here we are <laughs> so Tarek, first of all we, we need to know about this malware's name is there a backstory here there is and i think the problem is that malware authors are really lacking in their naming creativity department so unit 42 had to kind of step up here and the reason is it's a namespace collision problem. Uh, the original malware author of Lucifer titled it uh, Satan DDoS. That was like the original title for this malware. Uh, not too creative. Uh, but the problem was there was another malware uh, called Satan Ransomware that already existed. So, you know, obviously causing a lot of confusion, and a lot of problems here. Uh, so Unit 42, the original researchers that found uh, the Lucifer binaries in the wild, decided to eliminate this confusion by calling it Lucifer. So that's the that's a pretty interesting story there. I'm telling you, uh, malware authors need to like. I, I think I think this is just a common problem in the tech industry. I know me and Chad are kind of we have a couple projects on the line, and we're trying to figure out a cool name for the project. And uh, I don't know, maybe coming up with a name is harder than writing malware itself. But it's fairly important. I mean, we talk about this quite a bit, right? With like ransomware as a service, and how a lot of these underground dark web groups are acting like businesses this is a critical component i feel like it's only a matter of time before we start seeing like name your apt or name your malware as a service am i right oh god that's a once again another million dollar idea absolutely <laughs> this is very marketing right here you know we need <laughs> these malware authors need a solid marketing team to really help out with the name stuff that's true 
That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So why is this malware making headlines once again? Yeah. So um, this one, you know, Lucifer is pretty interesting, um, but we're seeing kind of a common pattern with the evolution of ransomware. Um, You know, Lucifer is very multifaceted in, in how it approaches things, but it's got one single goal and that goal is to make money. So the malware authors behind Lucifer are extremely financially motivated. Uh, Lucifer does both crypto mining um, and it only crypto mines XMR, which is um, Monero. Um, but it also has some more sophisticated operations that we see in more um, APT-like um, malware samples and or um, honestly, ransomware is just getting more advanced. So f- for example, uh, C2 operations, um, normally and traditionally, we don't see C2 operations with malware too much, but you know, as malware is evolving and becoming more into this extortion-based um, uh, kind of operation of victims, uh, we're seeing C2 operations become more normal. Um, and then one thing to keep in mind too with ransomware, um, always being financially motivated, um, you know, the, the, the amount of computational uh, time that it takes to actually be profitable with um, cryptocurrency nowadays is, is a lot higher than what it was years ago. So this is putting the onus of having like wormable behavior um, on these malware authors now. They need to be able to spread this their malware uh, more effectively and more efficiently so they can make more money um, or even be able to make money um, as opposed to infecting one single machine. You need to have thousands of machines now. And that's where we're seeing um, specifically with Lucifer. Um, it's actually packed with a couple exploits from Equation Group, which is, you know, uh, the NSA. And we've seen, you know, Eternal Blue, Eternal Romance and Double Pulsar. Um, and just to level set, Eternal Romance and Double Pulsar are those uh, Windows XP related vulnerabilities, those RCEs. And then um, Eternal Blue is the the infamous uh, SMB vulnerability. And those allow wormable behavior. So once you get popped with uh, Lucifer um, and you're vulnerable um, to some of these exploits, it's going to spread like wildfire and start mining and doing theft of resources across your network. Oof. Wow. And I know that what we're talking about now isn't the original campaign that Lucifer is known from. So how is, is this isn't the first we're hearing of them. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so the original campaign was detected around June 10th from Unit 42, but Lucifer, from a code analysis perspective, or at least a rever- not not source code, excuse me, but like reverse engineering, um, taking a look at Lucifer, um, this is a variant of existing crypto jacking malware. So what malware authors are doing is they're you know changing their source code, they're changing how you know their malware or the ransomware already operates and making tweaks to it as needed. And then releasing it in the wild. And so this new campaign was first detected around June 10th. So pretty fresh. Now, Tarek, professional growth question for you here. As a malware researcher, when, whilst, I should say, reversing malware, do you listen to the cha-cha slide? Just that part where it's like, reverse, reverse, just the <laughs> entire time you're, does that empower you? Does that inspire you to reverse think- that malware? I think I need to have just like an infinite loop of that part of the song just going. I think it'll be nothing but like motivational. It wouldn't drive me crazy at all. Right. Well, it is motivating in a way because it's not over till you're done reversing the You want malware. it to end? <laughs> oh, God. Eight hours of that. Yeah. yeah. We have good health benefits here at Domain Tools, and I'd have to take advantage of them if, if that was the case. This is the reason we have the ERP 
Tarek, the <laughs> resource platform um, for moments like that. When somebody gives you that idea, that would yeah, look terribly go. awry. <laughs> so getting back to this current campaign, I'm, I'm curious, how is it possible then to spread across the network? Yeah. So, so once you get popped and uh, compromised um, by Lucifer and the Lucifer, you know, binary has a foothold on you, on, on your machine. Um, during the reverse engineering process, Unit 42 showed that um, there's a couple means of lateral movements that uh, Lucifer exhibits. Number one, um, there is an embedded password list that gets used uh, for doing brute forcing of credentials across your network too. So that's a very like old school way of doing it. And they only have one username embedded. So um, the username string administrator Plus, and um, I don't, I didn't actually do any of the reversing here, so I can't speak to the size of the password list, but I imagine it's got to be pretty clean cut and pretty tight um, because doing brute forcing is really noisy. So if you have like Sysmon and, you know, your Windows logging all being fed into your SIM uh, and configured appropriately, you're going to see uh, your SIM light up like a Christmas tree if there's a huge list of uh, passwords here. Uh, so that's, that's actually surprisingly pretty noisy. On the other hand, though, Lucifer also leverages um, the equation groups uh, exploits. So once again, this is, you know, eternal romance and um, double pull software, Windows XP boxes, um, as well as um, for uh, SNB, which is the eternal, eternal blue uh, vulnerability. So you couple brute forcing and some exploits together, and you're going to see Lucifer have several options to move around your network, your Windows-based network, too. Let's be clear about that. Mm. What do they say about variety? It's the spice of life. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So then what happens once these vulnerabilities themselves are exploited? And you already sort of touched on how then the brute force attack works. Um, So I'm curious more about the, the vulnerabilities being exploited. Sure. Yeah. There's a little bit of a port scanning that Lucifer does, too. Um, to really kind of reduce how noisy it is. Like, for example, Lucifer doesn't attempt to um, throw uh, brute forcing of credentials or attempt to do exploits against another box on your network that doesn't have SMB open, you know, the port 445, or it doesn't attempt to see if you have like MS SQL or, you know, RPC available. Um, So it's a little bit surgical there, but still brute forcing is pretty noisy into itself. Um, but once again, like in a post like ex- a post compromise, uh, once the exploit has been dropped, you see Lucifer operating more traditionally. Um, so much like a lot of pen testers, Lucifer really follows the whole living off the land strategy by using uh, legitimate binaries from Microsoft. So in this case, we're talking about the cert util binary. That's a pretty common whitelisted signed executable packaged by Microsoft, really used for systems administration purposes. Um, but but cert by the cert util has a lot of really uh, really nice features from an attacker perspective, like being able to you know call other URLs and download other executables and even run those executables too. So it's a it's a it's a binary that Microsoft really needs to kind of help tackle. Um, and Lucifer fully takes advantage of uh, of it in a post compromise situation. Awesome! Thank you for that detailed breakdown there, Tarek. So, Tarek, apart from these three exploits for for spreading internally, what else can Lucifer do? Yeah, so once Lucifer, uh, you know, this is after 
you know, lateral movement and after like a foothold's been really established, Lucifer's main goal, once again, going back to it, is uh, dropping the XMR rig uh, executable. And XMR rig, if anyone's ever done any kind of Monero mining, this is like the executable that's, um, you know, developed and really packaged to do that. Um, so we see Lucifer doing a theft of resources, um, which is just stealing your CPU or your GPU uh, to mine Monero on behalf of the attacker. Um, so this really like shows our attackers are definitely financially motivated as their primary goal. And, you know, when we talk about C2 operations and we talk about exploits, we always associate that with APT and, you know, justifiably so. Uh, but really, this is only to drive um, being successful uh, for the uh, you know, the Lucifer authors to make more money. There's just, it's just a lot more sophisticated, right? So this kind of speaks to um, how financially motivated the authors are and uh, how sophisticated they have been. Hmm, interesting. Well said. And I guess the last question I like to ask you on this topic is, you know, should organizations or consumers be more concerned with this evolution? Who's it really going to impact most here? Yeah, I know I just got done saying how sophisticated that, uh, you know, some of this, some of these properties of Lucifer are. That being said, it's only generated $32 in profits, according to Unit 42, uh, tracking the Monero wallet. But, you know, this, you know, with the way that ransomware kind of works, especially, you know, in an email campaign, um, it's really just casting a large net and sitting back. And I think over time, we could potentially see that $32 uh, grow tremendously. It uh, really depends on um, how well crafted those uh, email campaigns containing this are um, and how well it's being picked up. Um, so I think this is likely a trend. I think this is probably really noteworthy to keep kind of an eye on Lucifer. Um, that being said, um, this is really just once again, the equation groups exploits those eternal blues, romance and uh, double pulsar. Uh, it's really been hand in hand with ransomware for years now. It's been a nonstop trend. Um, and so like Lucifer explicitly aside, ransomware has been so successful in a post equation group release world, primarily because like companies are just really slow to patch still, uh, you know, these vulnerabilities have had at patches out for a long time. And, uh, the reason why ransomware authors are still using these exploits, uh, for these years old, uh, these year old plus vulnerabilities is because they work. Um, so Lucifer is primarily concerning. Uh, but the exploits being used and the trends of them still being successful years later are what's more concerning to me. Ooh, yeah, a great point. And I'm curious, Chad, after hearing Tarek's statement there, what do you think this uh, this hoodie rating should be? Um, you know, it uh, it's funny with the only $32 in profits, I would um, be inclined to um, reduce my rating from maybe an eight out of 10 to a seven out of 10. Um, but it is sophisticated, you know, and, and maybe that's just how much you can actually make crypto mining now. Like they've been extremely successful, infected 200,000 machines and only made 32 bucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that uh, I actually have no idea what the mining rate is for Monero. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would put it at an eight out of 10. Um, and yeah, especially now that uh, the Corona blue exploit is starting to get a little more weaponized and isn't actually like, um, it doesn't just crash machines anymore, at least the proof of concepts that some people are working on now. So, um, you know, they'll probably be able to leverage a even new um, SMB vulnerability to keep this going for a long time. I'd give it an eight out of 10. 
Would you agree with that rating there, uh, Tarek? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's a really good insight there, Chad. Uh, yeah, like we don't know. Uh, I'm sure I actually, I, I'm kind of curious now, I should probably pull open a Monero calculator um, and uh, kind of factor that in because I think you might have a really good point there where, you know, they could have like hundreds of boxes that have been compromised. Uh, but the, um, and this is where math and uh, crypto mining, is, which is not my expertise comes in, but maybe the computation that's required to make decent money or value from Monero is just so like cost prohibitive at this point that it's going to take a lot longer, a lot more time to mine for. Um, I would also kind of throw out there too, that a lot of corporations are probably the primary targets or, you know, maybe um, just individual um, normal home users are um, being targeted here. And the, those kind of configurations on a hardware level probably don't have like the beefiest video cards on them, right? Uh, we don't deploy, or it's not common to deploy like really nice GPUs, um, you know, with just ordinary machines. So I'm sure that if, uh, I'm sure that probably has a factor to do with it too. So it's going to take significantly longer, more computational time. So, yep. Long story short, eight out of 10. Excellent. Thank you both for your insights there. It is now time to mosey into our game of two truths and a lie. So Tarek is up this week. He is going to be reading three article titles. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And he gets points for deceiving Chad and myself. And Chad and I get points for knowing when we've been attempted attempted to be deceived. And that is, them, them are the rules, I think, yes? So that's two truths and a lie for you. Them's the um, rules. Them's the rules. So, Tarek, why don't you go ahead? Hit us with those article titles. All right, let's do this. So, uh, the first article, um, Anonymous stole and leaked internal memos, memos, financial records, and more from over 200 state, local, and federal agencies in a massive leak that's been titled Blue Leak. Second article, Adobe changes course and says that Flash Player will be supported beyond 20. 21. The third article, the creator of the Satori botnet has been found guilty and sentenced to 13 months in prison. Oh man, if number two is true, <laughs> I'm going to be so bummed. Um, Are you going to start like... a uh, flash mob? Oh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Flash, it just won't die. Um, it's the Kool Aid Man of the Internet. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I'm picturing that in my mind. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Chad. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, one as the lie. All right. How about you, Kelsey? Mm. It's hard for me not to mess with Chad and choose uh, choose number two just to to concern him. I'm gonna go with number three. I'm gonna spread the spread the list here and go number three for the lie. All right, where's that drum roll at? Okay, so the lie was number two. Oh no! So uh, I was positive. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was positive that uh, number one. I so I thought that it was a, a non-anonymous related group, um, but it uh, 
It must have been. I, I knew there was the uh, blue leaks, but I couldn't remember who put them out. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I feel like there would have been some stupid video I saw accompanied if it was not, but maybe they've given up on uh, them videos. Uh, thank goodness that Adobe didn't reverse their stance, though. We're all going to like live another day. Yeah, yeah, that is the good That's news. True. That is a silver lining in this whole mess is that uh, Flash is Dunskis. I, I, I'm happy to give up points for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's two points there for Tarek. That's a big deal. Let me calculate. What are, we, what are we at then? You know what? Okay, so Chad is quite a bit ahead of us, Tarek, but this helped yeah. even the gap for you between you Hell and Chad. Yeah. So this is looking good for you. I'm making We're my coming comeback, for you, man. Chad. All right. I'm coming for you. All right. <laughs> but not in the next few weeks, because as I said earlier, we'll have a bit of a break um, where I'll be going to a camp to learn how to deceive Chad and Tarek at Tutris and I. Um, that is actually why we're taking the time away. Um, I yeah. really need help in that arena. <laughs> uh, Tarek was saying ahead of the call, Chad, that he really struggles with his poker face, but I reminded him that this is an audio podcast, so that's not a concern. Yeah. That's My poker voice, though. On the Your poker voice. Poker voice. Um, <laughs> Watch out, Gaga. <laughs> don't sue us. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you two so much for your insights, per usual. We'll see you back at the end of July, folks. Stay safe. Enjoy this warm weather. And we'll see you next time on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.